Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for what was supposed to be a boring breakaway day, but was much more exciting from Morzat to Mejev. It's one of these stages where none of the climbs are difficult, but it's a lot of climbing in the big ring all day. They have a downhill start out of neutral. That means if you want to get in the break there, you need a tug buddy uh, to help you if you're a skinny climber. You need a (laughs) Niels Pollard, a Benjamin Tomar to help you. Then there's uphill, then there's downhill, and the break was just struggling to form all day. We'll get into that. There's in a flat valley before the Mejev climb. 20k is 4%. You're never going to have GC gaps on something like this. And it finishes at the Altiport. I think Coos one up here. And yeah, it's just a breakaway stage. Even though at a point, Benji, I thought this was going to turn into something like Basque Country Stage 6 as Ineos on the bus, their plans seem to be to use their rulers, Castro Van Balagana, to create a bit of chaos on this shallow up-and-down parkour and maybe slip a Yates or Pidcock into a move unnoticed. Even Thomas changed his sunglasses today to be unrecognizable. (laughs) The latter one was godlike, to be honest. When I saw it, I was like, this is odd, but fantastic. But it started for me not even when they left the neutral zone yet, when I noticed Pidcock sitting near the front together with Ghana, and that's when I thought to myself, they're going to try something today. And it started being a bit unnoticeable when, for example, again, I tried to slip with a move that was trying to get away together with the likes of Magnus Court Nielsen and Group of Five get away. And then in the background, we saw not Pitcock being the first to make a move like that, but Adam Yates trying to bridge up with a second group of five, six riders. And it was, it was really subtle to the point where I wasn't even sure he was doing it. And then there was a bit of a gap behind. So they had two of those riders up ahead, Ghana and Adam Yates. But Quickly, that gap was being closed down, the likes of UAE doing loads of stuff like that, but they might not be able to keep that up this entire sector. And yeah, this break starts off with a slight false flat downhill, and then we've got an actual climbing area with the break can form. So there the proper breakaway started forming, or at least a proper attempt for the break win. That's again when we saw Gana up in the move and Pitcock trying to follow in a group behind. And the same happened with Dylan Von Bala a bit later. Like, this is a pretty clever strategy, in my opinion. I enjoy that they have multiple riders in GC so close, and they're subtly trying to do something on this stage to make sure they can get a bit of pressure on. Is it pressure for UAE when it comes to potentially winning this Grand Tour, or on both UAE and Yumbo with the goal of finding a rider on the top three? I think Ineos were hoping Yumbo would join in with them and be like, holy shit, George Bennett's out with COVID this morning. Micah has COVID, but they uh, tested that his viral load isn't large enough to be contagious, apparently. So he's in. Björg looks bad. Well, you know, it's better the other day. Here she's terrible. Langen is out with COVID. Ineos are like, in fact, the best place to attack Pagacha when we have a strong 
Ruler squad is an easier up and down parkour. We can't attack Pagatra on a 10k 7% climb because he'll just close us. But if yeah. it's fast, if there's descents, and we suddenly have a 20 man group getting ahead, maybe we can do something. Uh, but to me, it looked like Yumbo either weren't really capable of reacting to it and joining in, or in fact, we're shutting it down with Kreuzweig at times. Um, Jonas, well, Pogacius eventually started closing down moves, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, they, it all depends on Roglic. Because if you're Jonas, there's no need to do a hero move because exactly. you, you back yourself tomorrow. And if you're Roglic, maybe your back really hurts and you're not <laughs> in the mood to do yeah. a huge raid. And Benji, does Carlos Verona just chase you down anyway for Pogaccio? Exactly. That's a very good point as well. But when I looked at the situation going into the second climb, the Col de Jean Bas, that's where I noticed the opportunities for Yumbo, the ones you are mentioning. And that's when I noticed that Hirschi was already dropping off the bank. So that's one rider of UAE that we mentioned already that is not looking good at the moment and is basically kind of a weak replacement of Langen now for the flat parts because he can't do much more at the moment. And then you mentioned Bjerg, who was better the other day. He was not that great today. He was dropping off the back, or at least suffering at the back of the peloton group, the entire first two climbs. And then on the Jean Bas section, that second climb of the day, we saw Soler having trouble after him being the guy that was closing gaps on the Shiv in Oakland, which was the first of the day. So it was clear that three riders were in the last 15 riders from UAE in that peloton on the second climb. And when that's the case, you know that there's Micah left and McNulty left. And I'm going to be honest, I don't have full confidence in McNulty at the moment. I've got a feeling that Micah is the better leftover rider despite him having COVID. He's probably still better than Micah at McNulty at the moment. So I saw an opportunity, like you mentioned, to get things done. And like you said, Yumbo tried a bit with Kreiswag and did some stuff with Kreiswag, but it never felt like there was like a, a calculated approach to have someone up there and then have the follow-up of having Roglic respond. So in my opinion, this is a bit of a missed opportunity. And I'd add more to that, that in the end, we had a breakaway that formed that included two riders from Ineos, which they were trying to get someone up there from their leaders. They tried with Yates, they tried with Pitcock, perhaps not enough on that second climb. But when it comes to Yumbo, they have Laporte in that front group. And I'm like, why? I don't know why Laporte is up there. I don't know, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Is he <laughs> Like, he's not going to win the stage. It's too, he can't climb that well. Like, Van Baal can. Like, Van Baal, it was clear to me, okay, that didn't work, but Ineos are going for podium here and, on GC and a stage. So Van Baal going for the stage makes sense. Um, on a 20K 4% climb, he's really, really good. And the breakaway we did get, was the break we expected featuring a lot of rulers uh, and some with a tug buddy. Nick Schultz had Jack Bauer as a tug buddy. Bauer's actually been really good this race. Pierre Roland, Simon Clark in good shape. Boson Hagen, uh, Quinn Simmons, Gilbert, Swift, Hofstetter, Magnus Court now back in the normal EF jersey with a teammate with Betiol. That'd be a good pairing. Velasco, Zimmerman, Lechnerson. Spiragli, Fred Wright and Sanchez, Bahrain combo, Benjamin Tomar, who I think needed another teammate, who will tug the tug buddy when he himself needs a tug. That's what <laughs> happened to... No, but what I actually mean, instead of 
spouting nonsense is the poor guy had to pace the group a lot today and I wonder how he would have gone with the pairing Yoni Zagira in fact he's on his team on Kofidis so that invalidates everything I just said he just didn't do very well Matteo Jorgensen Kamner Van Baal Ganna and Laporte so yeah it's it's a curious group with like just Kamner there on the closest on GC at 830 and Yumbo blocked it up for UAE, UAE said, thank you very much for blocking it up. And they move to the front with their very tired domestiques. And they start pacing the gap, Benji, keeping it close at like seven minutes. We missed a very vital moment, eh? We missed the moment where Pogacar marked Roglic. I think he spoke about it on Discord. I made the same joke on Twitter. He marked Roglic when it comes to his pissing break. Well, I think that's... I wasn't joking. It wasn't a joke. He literally saw... No, seriously, if you watch the tape, I have no time stamp, a kilometer stamp. It was when it's blocked up. Roglic moves to the front a little bit, and Pog literally, like, snaps. He gets out of the saddle and starts moving up out of the peloton, marking him. <laughs> and I'm like, it's like when I take Toby for a walk around Ordina, and the dogs are marking each other. It's a little bit like that. And I'm like, <laughs> really? Like, are you that clued on to Roglic? Also, anyway... Just saying the monitor, I think tomorrow is going to be a good stage and Pog was a little bit stressed after the stage two. Not just my opinion, he actually was. You could hear him on the uh, audio. Anyway, but if you want to get a taste of riding in the mountains, thanks to its combination of fantasy and real-world riding destinations, Zwift can give you that taste with its epic KOM, Alpe Zwift and Von Top climbs. There are also flatter and more rolling routes if you don't fancy trying to replicate today's or tomorrow or the next day's TDF parkour from the comfort of your own home and you never have to ride alone. Zwift has tons of events and you can join the LRCP club to stay in the loop with when LR, myself, why am I referring to myself in the third person? Actually, I might continue <laughs> doing that. And Benji are hopping on to ride. Head to Zwift.com to find out more or start your free seven-day trial. So UAE pace break, Camden's close in GC. Everyone, Dan Lloyd made a good point on Twitter. I agree with the first half of what he said. He said this is a golden opportunity for UAE to give yellow away so they don't have to chase tomorrow. And I was like, and I was thinking, I agree in that they don't need to pace hard today. Come in yeah. two minutes before the time limit. Take the day off. Kamner, I mean, I spoke to him a little bit about it, but like he's got the Giro in the legs. And like, sorry, Pog's putting five minutes into a minimum tomorrow, even if he yeah. has yet. Like, he's not a GC threat at all. It's not like O'Connor either, who's sort of a, was a GC improving guy. Camden's been in breaks, Jira, whatever. Like, you can give him five to 10 and give your guys, just knock it back a little bit today. Um, whether that would actually help too much tomorrow, where I think Ineos and Yumbo should be sending it mm-hmm. anyway not convinced but the first part what like why are they keeping it seven minutes benji well first of all he was on eight minutes 40 i think 43 in gc just wanted to get that context out there he was the most dangerous rider in that breakaway and having it at seven minutes i think it makes it clear to me that pogacar still wanted to keep the jersey during the stage because otherwise you'd have it at 10 to 13 minutes in my opinion and perhaps towards the end of the stage on the latter climb you can start riding a bit above that comfort pace and perhaps spend one rider on making sure it's 10 minutes so that the gap is not five minutes in gc but two minutes even though indeed lr would say oh five minutes to camera it's fine which 
I'm honestly agreeing with in this case. But like you say, there's two parts to the argument. First of all, resting your riders. That's, in my opinion, a valid point. You can give Kemna the yellow jersey to rest your riders, your domestiques, because you don't have too many left when you're UAE. I swear that this isn't, there's this meme of like a guy celebrating on a rooftop with like three people dancing way down 200 meters down. I was, I was always thinking about that when it comes to Pogacar and the third week of this Grand Tour lining up his domestiques. But like, he's got limited domestiques, so he has to not spend the energy of those domestiques unwisely. So that argument I completely agree with when it comes to giving yellow away so that UAE should not have to control the upcoming Alp stages. They're going to have to control the attacks of both Yumbo and Ineos, like you mentioned. And worst case scenario, like when it comes to Kemna taking yellow, people were saying, okay, perhaps Kemna will have Bora base at certain points to defend that yellow. I think if I'm Kemna and yellow tomorrow morning after the stage, if that would occur, then I'm getting in the break where I'm hoping that UAE doesn't have the riders to control it because they've shown so far that it's difficult to control big breakaways. And I'm hoping that some satellite riders of other teams go in the breakaway. I'm trying to benefit of those satellite riders. And I'm in that breakaway for a bit. Like, I think that's a better strategy for Bora in yellow tomorrow than, for example, if they would be pacing basically for UAE in that stage. But that's a what if. If Kemna would take yellow on this stage and we're not there yet, we've got plenty of stuff to talk about in this stage still. So, uh, yeah, that was my take on that. So what usually happens with a break this size, I've read all the names, we have very, like so many similar riders, like 70 kilo guys who climb quite well, like a Jorgensen Van Baal type operator. And some are quicker, like a Court and a Schultz. And we have Wright is in that category too, but would he work for Lewis Leon? And as we normally see in these breaks, no one is, no one is just rolling through when it has eight minutes if you're on your own, if you're Simone Velasco, you're not pulling through hard. Why would you? So Bertiol goes solo in the valley before Mejev. Um, typical move that we'd expect. He's got caught in the group behind. And if the group two dynamics start, he has a very good chance to win the stage. He actually then runs through a protest, which stops the race. And then the time gaps were taken. At that point, he had a 28-second lead. Uh, and then the gap to the pillow was like eight minutes maybe. And unfortunately for Betiol, it almost seemed like the, the race stopped. And I don't know, maybe Schultz and Bike Exchange, it, it definitely afterwards, Bauer just got on the front and just started driving it um, for Bike Exchange. Why Ineos didn't have Ghana exchange turns with him, I'll never know because Van Baal eventually had to close gaps himself multiple times with Bertiol ahead on the climb, and Ghana insta-dropped, so no idea what they were trying with Ghana, not using him to help Bauer bring that gap back. And Bertiol goes, Kamna is being marked. Well, at what point, Benji, on the climb, would you have ridden for yellow if you were Kamna? Um, because I do think he would have wanted yellow, like if you have a choice between yellow or not. Um, I think at a certain point it became very clear that the entire break was intent on not letting Leonard Kemner mug them and win another stage, and it wasn't very steep. Yes, certainly. I think in the last 6.5 kilometers we had uh, that move that basically Fred Wright was launching Louis Leon Sanchez for Bahrain, and when that gap extended to, I think, 28 seconds at some point, like, 
in that scenario, when you're Kemna, the only thing you can do is start riding for yellow because if you're gonna keep sitting up, then you're hoping that other people start attacking towards the front and so forth. And yes, those riders might be able to close the front of the race, but that's a scenario and that's a point at which I would have started riding for yellow if I was Kemna because the gap was basically, I think, I think it was nine minutes by the time that the gap was 20 seconds towards Luis and Sanchez. And that gap expanded a bit, and it was suddenly an amount of like 8.30 from the Kemna group to the Peloton group, which means that he's virtually out of yellow. So if he had started pacing a bit earlier in that scenario, then yeah, just basically with roughly 6.5 to go is what I would have seen. And that's in a scenario where you've got 6.5 kilometers, like you mentioned, with not the steepest finish, not the hardest climb left. Like the riders next to you in that group have a much more likely candidature to victory here do you agree or well he was just getting marked so hard and he had to do the bridge to the tomar van Baal group and jorgensen who chased down betiol he had to do that all himself with simmons yeah. marking him then fred wright went on the front we largely still have everyone in this group zimmerman's looking good wright started pacing to set up a sanchez attack some would argue that Luis Leon Sanchez should be pacing and closing moves to set up a Fred Wright sprint, but depends maybe what way you're looking at it. Um, and that does happen. Wright did a brilliant job launching Sanchez, who got a 20 to 25 second gap, and the Group 2 dynamics began again with Simmons and Kamner marking each other, with Fred Wright marking every single move. Eventually, that's brought back by... Van Baal, Jorgensen yep. before him. They come across in dribs and drabs. Schultz with, Jorgens, with Jorgensen. Schultz, Jorgensen begin pacing before the Alterport wide runway finish with then Van Baal catching them from behind. The group completely begins finessing. Benjamin Tomar brings a group <laughs> back with Magnus Court, who we've barely seen on the climb, Magnus Court. And Schultz has to close down Tomar, spending another match then Sanchez launches from the sprint with Schultz on his wheel, caught on his wheel, and Schultz, whilst opening up early, is nailed on the line by Magnus Court. Schultz is from Brisbane. I was really hoping he'd win. Underrated for this stage. Or good on Jabel Jais, which is a very similar finish. Good on Saskatoon stage, which he won. Punchy guy, but he just ran into Magnus Court, who I think tactically... I won't say Magnus Court was tactically better. I think he got a bit lucky being brought yeah. back, but things played into Magnus Court's favor, and he's tough to beat in a sprint like that. Um, so a huge, I mean, what a Tour de France for Magnus Court, Benji. Stage win. I thought his legs were toast after the Grand Depart. Yeah, it looks like they've recovered, and like I will claim complete credit for this victory. I texted this morning on Twitter to Jonathan Vauders, like, put Magnus Court in the breakaway, and he ends up in the breakaway, and it looks like he wins the stage. So I'm going to send an invoice to uh, to EF for the complete prize money sum, so um, they can expect that. But just a wonderful victory by Magnus Court, you know. He's a guy that started off with the wonderful days in Denmark, like you mentioned. I think he got the competitivity prize of the first three days in general, even though it's not worth much winning that poll on Twitter these days. But afterwards, like, I kind of felt like there were stages where I expected him to be up there when he wasn't. And seeing him now today, he was not the strongest climber in that breakaway. He had some luck being brought back by the right people. 
And perhaps if Thomas doesn't close that last gap and so forth, he's not in that final sprint, but it worked out in his favor. And a lot of riders that are in this position might not have known their capabilities and their limits and therefore might have blown themselves early by trying to close it themselves. And that's what he didn't do here. And I think knowing his limits is what brought him the victory today. And also having Betiol ahead helped a yeah. lot. He didn't have to pull once. No responsibility the entire time. Betiol was ahead on the climb, on the flat. That makes a difference. When we're talking a photo finish, these things make a small difference. I do wish that Nick Schultz had slowly deviated to the left. He wouldn't have been relegated <laughs> and he would have won, um, but he didn't. So credit to Nick Schultz for sprinting in a straight line. 100% he wouldn't have been relegated if he did it slowly. Um, but it is what it Are is. we incentivizing it now? <laughs> I don't incentivize it. The world yeah, is what it is. I am just <laughs> advising riders to operate within the framework of the reality of the, the world as it is. Um, but if you, like, again, Schultz, I think he's. Uh, I, I'm legally obliged to pump up Australians when they get a half decent result, particularly when they're from Queensland. Um, out of contract, 27, flies under the radar a bit. It's the Hague story. Uh, maybe he doesn't have Hague's GC upside, but it's the story of how much has this guy spent good legs riding as a domestique for the Yates brothers throughout his career? How many opportunities has he gotten? Second in the Tour de France stage, when he does get to ride at sort of 2-1 level for himself, he does reasonably well, and he didn't win the stage, so you can get him on a cheap. Anyway, I think just one to watch out for. Same with Bauer too, to be honest. Like, Benji, imagine if UA had Bauer. Like, he would. He got the break today. Bauer is better than Björk. In current form, yes. True, Björk Björk was sick. That's true. Yeah, and and he crashed on stage too. Just those combinations. Like, I think um, Bauer's a good rider. He's been a bit inconsistent in the past, but I've liked what I've seen so far, even though that attack on the cobble stage was, like, you could say anticipating so early. I would have preferred to see him in that breakaway initially than attack on the first cobble sector from the peloton, for example. So those kinds of decisions. But I think he's a... A worthy signing for some teams, certainly in this race, that's for sure. And um, yeah, just in general, the combination of Schultz and Bauer were good riders today. We can't complain about them. And Schultz tried his best. He got very close. And I don't think Schultz got it done too much better, except for if he did what Kort did, for example. I don't know. Like, if he did what Kort did and he, he stayed in the group and played. He, yeah. He had to. Exactly. And if he didn't close Luis Leon Sanchez either together with Jorgensen, then the group two dynamic might might have been even worse. And yeah. the group might not even have got Luis Leon Sanchez in the end. So there's so many what ifs, but I think they both rode well. And I think that Nick Schultz is underrated and I'm not Australian. So I'm basically not biased when saying this. Anyway, great break battle. It really was. If you want to watch the last 10 Ks of this, it really was very good stuff. Um, it was kind of like the Dauphiné stage that Kemna uh, won back in the day. Did he win on this finish in the Dauphiné? Anyway, Court wins ahead of Schultz, obviously on Jorgensen. Maybe Bahrain did get it wrong, 2020 hindsight. Maybe if Fred Wright was on Lewis Leon money and didn't have his Palmares reverse it, who knows? Jorgensen, the Americans looking good. Van Baal, fifth. Zimmerman, sixth. Tomas, seventh. Lechnerson, eighth. Wright, ninth. Kemna, tenth on 22 seconds. That meant. Pogacar keeps the yellow jersey 11 seconds ahead of Kemner. 
in terms of GC, there's no other real changes. That GC group was led in. Wafan Art, Stefan Kuhn, Carlos Verona, all pacing. Um, Pogacha spent most of the day not on his train's wheel, maybe because he doesn't want to get COVID from Micah. Um, <laughs> not a joke. Like, yeah, maybe. Um, DSM were actually second in the train the whole time. Yumba Visma were like, let's, we'll give you a nice little buffer to UAE. You guys be the, <laughs> the guinea pigs. Um, and so Pogacha keeps by 11 seconds. I think Kemner, there was 11 seconds of finessing somewhere on that climb that he could yeah. have made up. Um, and afterwards... But, um, oh, sorry, gone. But, like, we see the tempo in the peloton speeding up in the last two and a half kilometers with all these teams lined up at the front, not UAE, but, like, Oualfinard, for example, and all the other teams next to that. And Movistar was also up there. Do you see something in there where they were trying to make sure Pogacar stayed in yellow, or do you think that those teams weren't thinking about that? And next to that... Why do you think Borgi's still sprinting at the end of Megaf to gain like a millisecond on Vingegaard? Well, in defense of Pogi, it wasn't him today that initiated it. For some reason, Enric Maas decided that after the group doing four and a half lots per kilo up this climb, he would be able to gap Geraint Thomas, Adam Yates, Roglic, Jonas Pogacar off his wheel. I mean... I feel bad for Mass Benji because he cops, <laughs> if people don't know the English language podcast, but he cops so much stick for never attacking. Um, some of it fair, some of it very unfair because he's a steady state GC rider who is often just doing his max on the wheel against a Slovenian or a Bernal. Um, and he attacked on Villa Fique last year and actually dropped Ineos uh, and had Rog on the limit, in my view. But uh, but today, no idea what the fuck he's thinking. <laughs> like, I don't know, just nervous, I guess. Like, what did he end up? Um, I'm trying to look where he... Oh, no, did he gap anybody? He gapped Froome. Froome was in the group. He gapped Pino. <laughs> um, but, and, and Uran. Uran got dropped Benji's. Uh, oh, so yeah. He, yeah, that was point. But yeah, Poggy sprinting hard to the line. And didn't get given a second either. I think he would have been a little bit annoyed with that. And then afterwards, you could hear he's annoyed with the cameraman blocking his way in the finish. Um, you could hear him being like, come on, guys, or something. Um, so, yeah. What does that mean? Probably absolutely nothing. I'm not surprised Poggy <laughs> went continued the sprint. Like, when you're halfway through, why not yeah. finish the sprint? Yeah, exactly. Just kind of low-key surprised that it was such a, a serious sprint. And that he would, I know. Uh, it, to me, it seemed like he was actually trying to gain like a second on Vingegaard to get that mental hit in or something before yeah. we get to the the wonderful stage that are upcoming. And uh, let's talk about it. Gold Gone All. It's the, the big one. Big one. 152Ks. Not that long. 46K flat start before a cat to La Cé de Montvernier. 3.5Ks, 7.5%. Short descent. That's a little warm up before the telegraph. 12 kilometers, 7%. Pretty steady, to be honest. No kilometer is above 8%, except for the third. They're all 6 to 7. Then uh, they do the Galibier from... There's a short descent, maybe five-minute descent, the Galibier from uh, the Telegraph side, obviously, and that is the hard side. The first four kilometers are pretty shallow, and then it kicks up. It's 17.5Ks at 6.8% average, but last eight kilometers... I would say it's I would say from kilometer eleven to seventeen it averages eight point five, eight point three, and that's up to twenty six hundred and thirty meters. That's 
a serious climb up to that altitude that's a nasty climb. Then they have a 40-kilometer descent slash false flat downhill before the Col du Granon, which is 11.5Ks, 9.1% to 2,400 meters. The steepest section is the 6th to 8th kilometer, 11.2% and 10.2%. It's a beastly stage, and I think there could be carnage as soon as halfway through the Galibier. Yeah, I think there's options here, and I think that we're mainly looking at the attacking teams to do something here, because obviously when you're UAE and you look at the stage, you're like, oh god, let's uh, not panic, let's try and figure out what Yumbo will try and do on this stage, what Enios will try and do on this stage, but mainly Yumbo, I think, and then there's multiple options, they can either try and do something early with Roglic, like we've mentioned ages ago, on that, uh, probably Galibier because Telegraph is too early, but... I think there would need to be some kind of preparation for that. And after that, you'd need somebody up the road to do something with. But when it comes to the Col de Ganon itself, it's also such a very hard climb to the point where do you dare to go early if you've got a Col de Ganon at the finish line with an informed Roglic, I might say, yes, him being so far behind. Jonas, I never expect to go early on this stage. No, I don't really, I don't think we have any data on how Jonas does to high altitude. I also think Jonas is much less resistant than Roglic would be in a three-man move in a valley. We saw on Kovadonga that Roglic pacing himself in a valley was then able to do like 6.1 for whatever, 35 on Kovadonga. And he seemed unfazed by having to pace at five watts per kilo beforehand. Um, I said, I, my opinion hasn't changed from what I said on the rest day podcast. I think Yumbo should have full confidence that Jonas is the best pure climber in the race. We have 11 kilometers at 9%. We have a hard day, hot conditions, 40 minute climb, do a sky train. If you must maybe attack with Roglic halfway through to set the, the sort of attacks in motion, Maybe no one reacts. I still don't really think so. Like Benji, if Roglic takes two minutes tomorrow and Jonas takes max 15 seconds, that's a great day for UAE. I don't see why that's a bad day for UAE. Pagacha's lost 15 to Jonas. He's still 25 ahead oh. with a TD to come. Happy days. And then the next day is less I don't difficult. agree. What? I think it's still a bad day for UAE. <laughs> I'd take that. I take it over a minute to Vingaga, but I would still consider Roglic being completely back in the race and Jonas gaining time back as a bad day for UAE on that day because right now, 90% of the world thinks that Pogacar is unbeatable and can't be dropped, for example. Even though I feel like a lot more people think that there's a possibility of that than, for example, a week and a half ago. So it seems like people aren't anymore. Ah, Pogacar, impossible that he never... Uh, that he ever gets dropped but on a stage like this like it's a bit unpredictable like you mentioned we don't have much data on on 40 uh, 40 plus minute climbs on both riders we've got more on Pagachar than we have on Jonas and so forth we know Von Tu last year has its influence I believe that it was real but I hope that we just have a good race in general that the stage is good personally for the entertainment factor and for this podcast I'd love for Roglic to go on the first climb on the Galibier. 
but I find that a very risky thing for Yumbo to the point where if he does that, I'm scared for not UAE. I think UAE won't be able to control it that easily. I'm scared for Ineos and Movistar because Movistar always always rides for the podium. They should chase him. Why should Ineos and Movistar let Roglic move back into virtual third in GC? Right now, Thomas is in third. Yates is in fourth. Mars is uh, 25 to 32 seconds behind them. Why should they let Roglic back into third? when they don't re- I don't reasonably believe they think they can beat Jonas or, or Pagacha and I don't think I don't think they can. Yeah, and what else can they do on this stage? Because if you're Mars, your goal for this stage, in my opinion, is surviving and hoping that you're better on Granol than other people. As simple as that. Holding on Galibier, trying to be better than the riders you're with on Granol. That's what I see as a strategy for Movistar in this stage. I don't think they'll have crazy tactics of putting someone in the breakaway, perhaps they will as a satellite rider to have them still when it comes to get on all rider that you might not see surviving Galibier easily. That idea. But I don't expect an attack by Moz at the top of Galibier, which, who knows at this point, he might go crazy, like in the last Kilometer Omega, for example. But uh, when it comes to Ineos, it's difficult, Mask you know, because... Mask you tomorrow. <laughs> I don't believe that. You could. Mask in hot conditions, long climb, maybe. Could do it. He was in last four guys on, I think, Arderden. I think, ignore the fact that he completely sucked on Portet the day before, which is a long climb, because <laughs> I, I only choose things which support my arguments. Cherry picking for the win. Um, what do you Ineos. actually think Yumbo should do? Oh, Yum- what, what Yumbo should do? Um, I think... Knowing how close Jonas is to Pogacar in GC, knowing it's only 39 seconds, I'd like to see them try. It's difficult, you know, because on one end I'd say, I'd like to see them try with Jonas on the final climb and use Roglic to set up Jonas to try something against Pogacar, but that could lead to Pogacar gaining more time on Roglic in GC. No, 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 no. Roglic just does his pace. He does, okay. he, do, he does the port pace. He doesn't need to lift to, like, Kwiatkowski okay. crack. Just does his pace. And let's say he does that. Let's say Jonas attacks and Pogacar follows. How much time do you think Roglic loses with that tempo? But why Why do we care about Roglic? He's three minutes behind and Jonas is stronger. Like, this is like saying we shouldn't do what's best for Froome to protect Richie Port's GC, who's sixth on three minutes it makes no sense but what if Jonas can't drop Pogacar then then you don't have a second strategy (laughs) (laughs) like then you can't win like what do you mean like if Roglic gets dropped and Jonas gets dropped then Pog is too strong and you lose and there's nothing you can do about it but I think if you somehow try to have not the maximum pace possible for Jonas so Roglic takes a minute and Jonas takes 10 seconds or they finish at the same time you've lost a stage for yeah. the guy who's on 40 seconds and the strongest climber. Like, Jonas was stronger on Solaison. What could happen is, if Roglic goes early, Ineos and Movistar control the valley, Micah McNulty pace 5.7 on mm-hmm. Granol. Roglic is a bit cooked. He does 5.8. And then Pagacha attacks across to him. Well, yeah. yeah you know, in the last three kilometers, the pace hasn't been that nuclear and Jonas has not been able to attack. 
because no, because Yumbo won't pace with Roglic ahead with Kuz exactly. and Kreuzweig. Yep. Yep. So Kuz and Kreuzweig are just sitting in there. It's a slower stage than it needs to be. And then what? Jonas can't, you know, because he needs the maximum steady pace possible, in my view. So and that's why I don't like it. I agree that there's a danger there. Let's say that Roglic indeed gets ahead. Like you mentioned, that Roglic is ahead on the final climb, that if Bogachar keeps a tempo where he does not catch Roglic, for example, then you're, they're basically forcing Jonas to sit in until Roglic is caught, right? Or would Correct. you try and bridge up at some point? Like, you can after the UAE domestiques are done, but if Roglic is not going that fast and he's doing a good performance, but for someone who's been in a, a valley, 5.7, 5.8, and the UAE doms are just keeping it stable, you're just losing time and ground. Like, yeah, I, uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I, I just think Skytrain for Jonas, let him lose. Okay. See what he can do is my view. I think he can do special performance. I think Poggy's stressed. Mm. And um, that being said, I still think, Benji, you oh. have to pace the end of Galibier hard with Kreuzweich. You okay. have to. Last eight Ks, just see what happens. Okay? My opinion changes if you have a guy in the break, Yates goes or Thomas goes, Rog or Yates better, Roglic goes with him, and if Hoggy has no teammates, of course then yeah. my opinion changes. I also yeah. think a simpler stage is better for the Umbo guys for Roglic in terms of making good decisions. Um but yeah, any last thoughts on on tomorrow? I've got Jonas for the stage win and a minute time gain. I'm just curious what Ineos will try on there, and I've got a feeling that it's going to be a survival day for Ineos. I don't know what they can set up to the point where they can, like, let's say they get in the breakaway with Van Baal and so forth. Like, Thomas and Yates, do you see those riders attacking on Galibier? Pidcock, do you think he's good enough to attack on nah. early on? Kreuzweig will drop Pidcock on Galibier if he pulls. He'll drop him. Kreuzweig's good to altitude. Is around Fenestra on these climbs? Kreuzweig mm -hmm. is really good. He will drop so, people. He should be in the breakaway then, initially, to be able to survive even, to be a danger even. For Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, Benji, if I was Ineos, what I would do is survive, follow with Thomas, have everyone ride for Thomas, hope Roglic gets completely burnt, and then you're fighting mass for a third. That's what I would do. I agree with that. I think their fight is for the podium and that they need to think in that regard. But when it comes to the stage, I'm going to go for... Oh, on one end, I want the resurrection of Roglic out of nowhere, but I don't see it happening in regards to the pain he's been having. Jonas did see on the rest day on two Danish TV or something that Roglic is feeling better. So I hope that is true. I'd like to see that because there's... I want to see this tour get as close as possible and... I think for the reality that the close should be at, the tour should be as close as possible, then this should be the day that Jonas strikes back. So I'll join you. Jonas should win tomorrow. I don't know how much time he can take on Pogacar on a climb like that. It's possible that Pogacar does not crack, in my opinion. But I'd like to see Jonas put a dent in so that we've got a feeling that this tour is uh is on fire for the rest of the last week and a half, basically. Yeah, I think so. I, I I think for the sporting competition, it would be great. And we'll see. 
I've been talking it up a lot, a lot. Um, people <laughs> calling me delusional and we'll see tomorrow. Am I a flat earther or am I Michael Burry? Maybe somewhere in between. Um, but yeah, hopefully huge day, not one to miss tomorrow. Should be pretty warm. Um, but yeah, I think for the other teams, it's pretty straightforward. Movistar follow, Ineos follow. And is there anyone else fighting for GC here? Go do follow. Um, Paulus 155, how he'll go. Quintana Benji, I think, will be looking to make a move tomorrow. Um, I think Quintana yeah. will be looking to move into fifth sort of region uh, ahead of Paulus, Godu, maybe even Adam Yates, Bardet. Um, we'll see. I, it'll be someone he's been, Quintana really been anonymous in a good way, in a really good way, this tour, just in the background. Uh-huh. Tomorrow's the sort of stage he'll be looking for. Um, but I think when it comes to Godu, I remember somewhere in the last two years that he was good on high altitude. Am I drunk? Uh, you what don't drink, so I don't think you're drunk. But okay. I remember he was on and off in the tour last year on Porte. Uh, Fourth was, on Porte. Yeah, that was good, but that wasn't high, high altitude. Yeah. Um, Godu's just hot and cold, man. Like Solaison, he lost seven minutes. In the yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm expecting Godu heavy, heavy crack in at some point, and he'll fall completely out of GC. Bardet, I think, will not fall out. I think yeah. Bardet is riding with a purpose, and he's in good shape. Maybe top not five. his blockhouse shape, but you don't need to be in blockhouse shape to come top five. You just need to not heavy, heavily crack on any day. Um but yeah, can't wait for tomorrow, Benji. Thanks to Zwift as always for supporting the show and for all of you. Uh, follow us at Lantern Rouge CP on Twitter for updates or both of our personal accounts, which you've probably seen already. And we'll see you at the recap of the stage tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 